welcome to this Sunday morning meeting podcast from Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. Today's message is by Paul Abel. So we are in this 40 days of prayer. Some of us are fasting. Many of us are using the readings. Uh, Dan, oh, it's called gearing up, I think, isn't it, on the internet? Uh, but he spoke on putting on Christ last week, which is the title on our leaflet. Uh, and I'm going to pick up really from where he got to last week. Uh, he was comparing it to his cycling and that sort of determination to, to go further than you've ever gone before. I think sometimes the church forgets that's part of what Christianity is. It's, all, it's, not, it's not just lazing around and expecting God to do everything. It's about a discipline and taking hold of life, seeing changes in life. You know, I was speaking to a young man, I won't use his name just now in case, in case he's embarrassed, but... Um, just seeing the change in his life over the past couple of years that God's done for him, uh, and it's, it's incredible, but, and, and it's God, and that's the grace of God, but it's also due to the fact that he has taken hold of everything and made good decisions and, and pushed forward and pushed through things. You know, We'll have to get him to tell his own story sometime, but, uh, but that's what it is. It, it, it is grace, but it's, grace is what enables us to do what enables us to walk in healing, what enables us to overcome fear, enables us to overcome anxiety. This is the good news. And the world right now needs a strong church. You know, the church is under onslaught. Talk to any church leaders and you'll find that lots of churches have been hit in different ways, you know, financially, health-wise. Just like us, we have too. But then you look at the world and you see all of humanity is in fear of COVID-19, coronavirus. And they need a church that says, well... Do you remember that psalm, 121, 121? Where does my help come from? It's that picture, if you remember me talking about it, of that person walking through Israel, looking at the hills. I look to the hills, it starts off with. That wasn't a good thing. That was what is in those hills that could kill me. In those days, if you were walking through Israel, you didn't know whether the hills could have bandits or robbers or enemies of some kind or wild animals. You just didn't know. So I, I lift up my eyes to the hills. It's like, what's coming that I can't see? What, what out there is out there to get me? I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, is the next line. And that's what we are, people. We don't know what's behind the hills. We don't know where this COVID-19 is going, but we're not joining the fear bandwagon. We'll take sensible precautions. We'll do all the washing of the hands and stuff like that. But, you know, it's, it, it, there's two people in York, I think, at the moment, isn't there? It's nowhere near here. So let's not be in fear. We don't know what's behind those hills, but where are we looking? We're looking to the Lord in our health, in our finances, our mental health, our physical health, in, seeing, in terms of seeing people saved, in seeing finances released into our lives. We can only look to God. Amen? Oh, come on. Now, just to go in the opposite direction for a minute, a couple of weeks ago, um, I showed you a video is there a team? Yes, there is a team at the back. I showed you that Church Hunters video. Do you, do you remember that couple? And that sort of slightly mocking program was sort of a mo- done in a modern TV style. Well, how about part two? I think we should have part two, don't you? Could you run that video for me, please? Previously on Church Hunters. This is your first church. This is Creekside. Didn't immediately respond. So uh, we're taking these vessels elsewhere. 
Praise God. <laughs> so what we're doing right now is the opposite of that. <laughs> you could say, because I don't know, you know, there, there is, there's people that just feel, I, this church needs to be around me. It, it's not around us, it's around him. You know, and I'm really sorry there's no two o'clock in the afternoon service. <laughs> and I'm really sorry if you don't get an instant reply by email, but you're never getting it. Sorry. You might not even get a reply. I get so many emails, it gets lost. But I will do my best, even so. <laughs> so put it on Christ. Um, I, I think one of the things I want to just say right at the beginning, we're going to do, we're going to do putting on, putting off, and running. That's, that's the three things we're going to do. Biking if you're a dad. But the putting on is, is something we do. But even before that comes God's initiative. All right? And this is important. It is God's initiative, which means because it's him, every single person in this room right now, every single member of our congregation is capable of doing everything that God asks them to do. He never asks us to do something that is impossible. It's impossible for us, but it's not impossible when we're with him. And an example is, is, is this putting on Christ. What, what is it? Let's, let's just explore a little bit more. Dan really went uh, excellently into the, the putting on and the discipline, particularly with this, of, of doing some readings, putting in some extra prayer, and setting targets that aren't ridiculous, like, well, I'm going to spend two hours every day from now on. I've never actually spent more than two minutes, but now I'm going to do two hours. You're just not going to do it. Okay, so you need to extend. He talked about five minutes, but then you can extend to 10. Maybe you will go to an hour, but you've got to just do it yourself. I mean, we've had a week. Maybe you did nothing this week. Maybe you really went for it this week, but it doesn't matter. We don't compare ourselves with one another. We compare ourselves with what God is calling us to, and he always calls us on. And like Dan said, his program is, it was a, is a disciplined program of, right, I'm going to take you further. This is what you're going to do now. He, uh, he talked about getting emails that say you're going to do this now. And him going, ah, it's just like that with God, except he doesn't send emails. He communicates directly and you go, ah, can't do that. Okay? And God says, yes, you can. Walk with me. We're on a journey together and I'll show you. And one of the best stories of, of really God's initiative for me, without doing the whole of the story, so forgive me if you're not familiar with the Bible, but most people have heard of the story of the prodigal son or the lost son. should really be called the forgiving father because the central person is the father. But we're going to actually just look at the son that, that got lost, if you like. So if you don't know the story, they're really, really brief, and this kind of spoils it. Look it up yourself in Luke 15 afterwards. But... The son goes to the father and says, I want my share of my inheritance now. He knows he's going to get it when his father dies, but he wants it now. And he wants it because he's bored with what he has already, which is a, a, a loving home, a prospering business there um, with the whole family all together. He doesn't want that. He doesn't want to work. He wants to party. He wants to build his life around himself, not around the family that God has placed him in. And so this son goes off, he sleeps with prostitutes, he drinks, he does the classic blowing everything, just as you can find, no, I won't go there. But anyway, he does that, and then the money runs out, so the friends run out, and he's feeding pigs on a farm, which is like amongst the worst thing you can imagine for some, a Jewish person of this culture. Pigs are unclean, it was like the worst thing working in those circumstances. And he's so hungry, he even thinks the pig food begins to look attractive. 
And in the midst of this, he thinks, right, I, 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 I know what I could do. He knows the danger is, the culture of the time is if he goes back to where his father is, he'll be shunned and thrown out the village because he's, he's embarrassed the father. He's embarrassed his father. And it's very much an honor culture. Uh, and if you've embarrassed your father, if you've embarrassed your family, you don't get to come back. But he comes up with this plan that maybe he could just be let in if he said, I'll be a servant instead of a son. I'll just work on the farm. Because he thinks the servants on my dad's farm get far better deal than this pig feeding job. Okay? So he trudges back. The, son, the young son set off for home. From a long distance away, his father saw him coming dressed as a beggar. Everything's gone. And great compassion swelled up in his heart for his son who was returning home. Listen, when Jesus is telling this story, he's telling people a story to show them what God the Father is like about us. You know, when we mess up, when we've ended up feeding pigs on the farm, when we're looking like beggars compared to what we really should have, and we're staggering down the road thinking, well, maybe God will just let me in by the side door and, you know, I can just do some small, menial job. The Father is there watching. And immediately he sees this return. It's the son's trudging, but the father is running down the road to embrace his son. God the father runs towards us and says, welcome. Welcome home, son. Welcome home, my child. I'm using son because we are, in, we, we, we are both male and female sons of God because we have the full inheritance of God. Okay, not to lose your identity as a man or a woman, but this is about your position with God. And we come, and, but it's the father. The father raced out to meet him. He swept him up in his arms, hugged him dearly, and kissed him over and over with tender love. This is the guy that looks and smells like a beggar. Okay, God doesn't expect you to get yourself cleaned up before he'll let you back in. And it's not that he just even lets you back in and says the bathrooms are over there, see you later. He's got his arms around you. He's kissing that slimy, smelly, stinky skin of yours that hasn't had a shower or a wash for six years because you've been away from God and he's saying, you're back. You're back. That's who Father really is. He's not this stern, grey-bearded old man in the sky saying, you, you. You thought about having some Merlot. <laughs> some people in the room look far more tempted than others. Yeah, we'll have the um, confessional afterwards. But <laughs> the father is then there, and the, the son does the right thing. He does do the right. Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. There has to be this acknowledgement. Okay, yeah, I've blown it. It's not, a, I just want to get back in your favor. Please forget all about it. There is a change of mind happening. The son is back. In fact, so much is his change of mind. His next line is, just take me on as one of your servants. But what is so wonderful about this story, because remember Jesus is telling this story to illustrate, is he's planned to say, take me on as one of your servants, but he never gets to finish the sentence because the father is having none of it. He doesn't let you back in on like a, a pass. You know, well, as long as you carry on being good, Jossie, you can be part of this church. We're just about letting you in, mate. Okay? He doesn't do that. Sounds like I do, the way I did it. I was quite good at that, wasn't I? <laughs> he cuts him off, and it says here, turning to his servants, the father said, quick, 
Bring me the best robe, my very own robe. My very own robe. This is the most expensive garment that the father has, and he's still stinky. He still hasn't had a shower, and I will place it on his shoulders. Bring the ring, the seal of sonship, and I will put it on his finger and find the best shoes you can get for my son, and let's have a feast and celebrate. We started off with that song that the kids love, Celebrate. Yeah? I love watching them all dance and, and joining in. It's brilliant. And, um, but the, 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 the far, the, what Jesus is saying is when someone comes home, whether they've been a Christian or they, uh, and they're coming home, or whether there's someone that's coming home to the Father for the first time that's never really believed in Jesus, there's a party in heaven for every single person. Like a party going on upstairs, eh, Pete? <laughs> sorry, private joke for very few people that remember the old days of faith camp. Um, sorry to exclude most of you in the room with that one. But what I want you to spot, and this is just a bit, we could go into everything that's going on here because it's beautiful, but the one thing I want you to look is the robe. Who puts it on? The father puts it on the son. And what is that robe? It's his very best clothing. It's his very best garment. When you approach the father, the father doesn't say you're stinky and smelly, go and, go and say 16 Hail Marys, 13 Our Fathers, get yourself all cleaned up and then pop back. He walks up to you and clothes you in his very best garment, who is Jesus, his son. That's the most expensive thing he has. He places the robe, the robe of righteousness, around you because that robe then declares, you are right with me. That is the grace. And in all the discipline that we're talking about, in all the reading scriptures, getting into the Bible more, praying more, remember we start from a position of the Father saying, oh, here's my robe. Take this. So much of our way of life is determined by whether we feel accepted by others or not. But always begin. There's one person who totally and completely accepts you every time you turn towards him, no matter how stupid you've been. He doesn't want you to live in that. He doesn't want anybody to be living in that because ultimately, why doesn't God like sin? Because it brings death and destruction. That's why. He's not just a killjoy. He wants life for you. But even when we've made all the wrong choices, the Father will still welcome you back. Because he knows the only way out of where you've been is to be welcomed back. And if he lived in a world where God did say, go and get yourself sorted out and come back, God would no longer be God because we would be sorting ourselves out. We would be God. We could rightly be proud of, I sorted myself out. I turned from this to this. But it isn't like that. And praise God and thank God it isn't like that. It's not about performance. It's about acceptance. And you know, this is an amazing church. There's some wonderful people here. Well, we're all wonderful people. But we're all on a journey. Yeah, we're on a journey together. Some, some of us have been journeying longer than others. That's why we've got more wrinkles. <laughs> and we are on a journey of discovery. But, you know, it's, it's then seeing that love of the Father reflected in one another, which then becomes this advert to the world of what God is like. Jesus came, we call it, sort of in 
theological language that he was God incarnate. It means God, all you could understand of God in human form. He was actually God. But there is a way in which the church is incarnational. Not God, but we reflect who God is because we've got this beautiful robe to wear. So what do we put on if we've already got a robe? Well, on this front page of this guide, and if you haven't got one, there's some more uh, over there on the hub there. But it, it, this putting on of Christ is about this spending time with him, and it gives you this verse at the top here, Romans 13, 14. It's just a bit of the verse, the bit that says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. But hasn't God just done that? Yes, he has. But this putting on is a putting on, it's like a, an acknowledging of what you have. All right? Because you can just ignore it, and you can decide, and you can feel through anxiety and fear and doubt and unbelief that it's not there, but it is. So the putting on is saying, okay, this is what God has said, I believe it. You might feel the opposite. You might run a mile in a different direction, but it's still there. And whenever you turn back to the Father, even after blowing it up, he's always there with his arms around you, hugging you and kissing you. So many people don't realize the love of God is also intimate. He loves every one of us so dearly. And so this putting on, the, four, the, more verse, the, the rest of the verses, instead, it says, instead of what? Well, instead of um, living like Jesus makes no difference. That's what the instead is, if you go back a little bit. We won't today. But. And so instead of living like knowing Jesus made no difference, Paul is saying, put on Christ. And it's, it's more like, because not only is Christ on you, but Christ is in you. You get filled with the Holy Spirit. So you've not only got this robe on, Christ is living in you. And there's a sense in which you're putting on these clothes. It's not like taking your pajamas and sticking them on. These clothes, it's, like, it's more like birds being covered in feathers. The feathers are in the bird, but as they grow, the, the, the bird gets covered in the feathers. This, this putting on of Christ is, is drawing upon what God has placed within you so that you are clothed in righteousness. Does that make sense? I mean, these are all metaphors. These are all pictures to help us grasp something that is deeply spiritual. So you can always look at things and think, well, what if? But it's not just that practical thing. It's also this spiritual thing. So, uh, the, 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 uh, the Passion Translation is really good. So, you, you've got this put on the Lord Jesus Christ, make no provision for the flesh, it says. And, and then the Passion Translation goes on to say, and don't waste even a moment's thought on your former identity to waken its selfish desires. If you keep thinking about what you were, you wake it back up again. Fire alarms, rain, we've got all the effects today. <laughs> so we put on who we are in Christ, but it's a conscious thing. How do we do it? By some of the things we're doing now. But that's not us doing it, it's accepting what God has done so we see the reality happening within us. This is really good news. This means you can really just relax and know God loves me. God accepts me. I can do what he's called me to do. Even when we don't feel that we can, actually God says, yeah, you can. 
And I will enable this in you. Just put on Christ. Put on this truth that you have. And don't listen to the lies of what everybody else has said to you in the past. And don't dwell on what you were. Look at what you are and what God is doing in you to see what you will be. Because if you look at what you were, you will think about what you were. And the scripture there is saying it will waken up those things that have been dealt with. What do you want to go back there for? And you say, but sometimes it's so hard. Yes, it is. It's like Dan's training program. It sounded like it would kill me. But it's making him fit. But this is the sense of what all of us are in Christ, whatever age we are. My mum, bless her, is reading her Bible. As, as soon as she can hold the thing and can start reading again, I, see, I noticed she was reading her Bible, amongst other stuff, but she was reading her Bible. And she was speaking faith. That's amazing. I mean, her fear was losing her independence. But her faith was trusting God for what was next. If we live... All is good, we live with Christ. If we die, we die to be with Christ. You know, and I don't think I'm fully in that because I like life. You know, and we are supposed to enjoy life. Christ came to give us life. But I love that, that what I just said was St. Paul's attitude. To live is to gain. Live, the gain is to be with Christ. To die, what I'll get to be with Christ. What have I got to lose? It's why the early church was so brave. None of the early church, when they were becoming Christians, thought, now I'm a Christian, everything's going to be happy and glorious, and I'm going to skip through the tulips in the undiscovered yet Holland, because everything will be fine at all times. If, if there was just some video of that early church, it was great. They did this through all the services. No, they knew it was going to be tough. They would lose jobs. They might be martyred. They could be thrown to lions. It wasn't a popular idea to say there's another king, not the, not the Roman emperor. And the persecution waned and waxed, but it was there and it wasn't there, but it was never safe. It's so easy compared to the, to the church. But it's not so easy for the church in all sorts of places in this world right now either. But it breeds a church that is strong. Does God want you to be happy? Yes. Will you be happy all the time? No. Does God want you to live in the fullness of health all the time? Yes. Will you? No. Not till you're in heaven. We are still living in this world. This world is subject to all these natural things like gravity. If you go up to the roof of the summit, do not do this. If you go up to the roof of the summit and jump off praying, you're still going to hit the floor. If you live a lifestyle... It will, certain things will happen to you. You know, we're saying, why are all these illnesses and things in the world? Well, look what we're doing to it. Look at the pollution we live amongst. Look at the things we eat, eat. And we, we try to be as safe as possible, but you know you've only got to go a couple of steps back in history. And in each century, people are doing stupid things that we now know are really bad for you. So, of course, we still are. We just don't know it yet. Or in some cases, we do, and we don't care. If we jump off the roof, we'll hit the ground. Does God intervene miraculously? Yes. Maybe just that day there was a bouncy castle at the bottom. You never know. Not your time, that lad. Boing. 
And we do pray for miraculous intervention in all these things. But we've also got to acknowledge we live here. Perfection is in heaven. And that's why we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, here on earth, as it is in heaven. In the same way, we would be mad to say, well, I won't, take, I won't have an operation, I won't take any medication, because I'm just going to trust God. God provided the operations. God provided the medication. It's not a lesser form of healing. You walk with where your faith is and what God is telling you to do. Do we want to see outrageous miracles? Yes. We have seen some. We will see more. Do we want to see consistent, regular healing? Yes. And we will. And we'll see more. And all the other things on the, li on, on the list. But we also live in Scarborough in 2020. And we are subject to all the things of this world, except that Christ has said, put on me and I will teach you to overcome it. I will get you through it. I will go take you further than you've ever been before. I will see you through the trouble. I will take you through the wild seas. I, you'll go through fire and you won't even smell a smoke. That's what we cling hold of. He doesn't say there will never be a fire. <laughs> I know why you're laughing. So we put on Christ. Then we've got this. Um, we put on as well. We put off, we're putting off and we're putting on. We put on the new self, but we put off the old. That links into everything we've been saying. It's, it's about um, saying, that belongs to my old way of thinking. What does putting off the old self and putting on Christ mean? It means putting away the things that lead you astray. Which is why people get confused. They want rules and regulations. There are some things that God says, don't do this. And that's what we call sin when we break it. There are other things that you could say, well, you know, it's because for some people it's not going to cause any problems. There are some in this room, you should never, ever, ever drink an alcoholic drink again. There are some for whom it is not a problem. Do we need a blanket ban? No. And that can apply to so many different things. There's no condemnation in that. That's just you. That's where you are. That's where you're walking. And don't play with it and say, oh, it's okay, I'm all right now. You know, you know. And no, I can't do that anymore. I can't look back at my old self because I will start to draw back from my old self all the selfish desires that I had. That's the whole thing of going, are you, are you an ex are you an alcoholic forever? I prefer not to think of that because Christ sets you free, but you're not going to go and try and find out. What's the point? Apply that to everything. That's just a, I apologize for those of you for whom that's a personal struggle, but it's, it's an easy one to use as an example. It, there's so many more. If, for some people, it's not alcohol, it's gossip. And you find that there's a, somebody comes out with a tasty tidbit and the old you immediately would be in there to find out more because it's interesting. Or maybe you're just going to find out a bit more so you can pray better. That's one of the worst. Do you know what? God hates that. Absolutely despises it because you're being both deceitful, lying, and gossiping all at once. Gossip is one of the sins God really detests. People like to pick on other big things, but gossip's one of them. Why? Because it assassinates characters. It kills people. It kills who they are. It brings them down. God hates it when people pull others down. 
hates the sin, not the person doing it. He still loves the gossip. He'll still run up and throw his arms around them, but he'll want them to learn to walk free of it. And if that's a weakness for you, don't put yourself in that position. Don't watch Coronation Street or EastEnders, which is just gossip on telly. You know, it'll just get you excited about getting real-world gossip. Do you know what's happening to her? He killed him, he got pregnant. He got pregnant. That was a weird one, that one, wasn't it? <laughs> There's going to be a story about that soon, actually, I'm sure. <laughs> so, we put off everything that belongs to our former selves, and we're constantly doing this. And we're putting on Christ. It's a constant cycle. In fact, you put on Christ, and then you, you put off everything. Then you put off everything, and you put on Christ, because it's not really a set of pajamas. When you get up in the morning, if you put on your clothes before you put off your pajamas, you're going to live the day a bit smelly. So don't do it. But it's not like that with this. Again, it's a spiritual illustration. It's a constant putting on Christ, which means being conscious of who I am. How do I become conscious of who I am in Christ and what God's done? I read his word and I pray and I listen to God. And then stuff comes in. I don't want that. I'll put that off. I'm not having that. Maybe you find... Um, you spend too much money if you go on Amazon. Don't go on Amazon. Just don't. Why dwell on your former problem? I'm not saying these things are forever, although some of them are. Until you're in heaven, and there's no Amazon in heaven. Or Facebook, or TikTok, none of it. Yeah. Here's just another scripture I want to read to you. This is from Philippians. And it really fits into what Dan was saying last week. I mean, there's Paul, St. Paul, uses the illustration of athletics quite a lot to give an example of what it is to be a Christian. Why? Because... To be an athlete, you've got to be disciplined. All right? To be a good athlete, you're going to have to prepare for it. You know, if, if you've got three people, you know, I don't know, Tom, Dick, and Harry, and they've got a race coming up, and Tom spends Tuesday sleeping all day, and Dick goes, prepares selfies for use on Instagram, and Harry works out, he's going to have a better chance of doing well on Friday because he's preparing. This 40 days is all about preparing for the race, which actually we're also running at the same time because it's spiritual and not practical reality. It's all mixed up. If on Wednesday, Tom watches Netflix for the day and, I don't know, um, uh, Dick gets expert opinions from his friends on Facebook about coronavirus all day. But Harry has a day of rest and exercise. He, Harry, is going to be more prepared for Friday. He's putting on fitness in this case. It's not really any different. That's what Paul is referring to in this passage in Philippians. This is from the Passion Translation. I admit says Paul, that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing. We won't actually live in the fullness of everything, although we, we have the fullness of Christ in us. It's always being released with us, within us. 
the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing, but I run with passion into his abundance. That's a good fridge one. I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. How much have you discovered of why God's called you right now? So much more, isn't there? So much more. Do you know one man I really, oh, there's lots of people, but one man I, I admire and respect in this church for doing this is Jim. There he is, sitting at the back there. <laughs> He's looking shocked. It's like, oh, oh. He has been taking on board what God is saying to him through the scriptures, and he's trying to live it. Is he perfect? No. Am I perfect? No. Only in Christ. But he is with passion. Does he have off days? Yes. Does he have really good on days? Oh, yes. But he's running with passion to walk in the abundance that Christ has given him so that he may reach the purpose for which Christ has called him to. And he'll discover it more and more and more and more. It's not instant. We discover what God has for us throughout our lives. You never stop. That's why it's so good. You don't get born again when you're 27 and then you know everything for the rest of your life. It would be boring and also you'd be overwhelmed because God's going to do things with you that you can't cope with yet. He constantly prepares us and trains us and equips us. And you think, oh yeah, but he's training and equipping me and then I had that, that time when I just messed everything up. God knew that was going to happen. And he knew when you'd come out the other side. And he still called you. And he still has a purpose for you. He's not put off by our failure. But he's excited by our passion. I like this verse, or this scripture. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. This is the putting on of the robe that when the Father comes. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. We've all, 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 all got stuff in our past that we wish was not there. But if you look at it, you will awaken that desire. So don't. <laughs> Some of you are thinking, oh, is it that simple? It's not necessarily simple to do, but it's very simple to say. But it's not you, it's God. It's, it's only when we try and do this all ourselves. Put ourselves up by our bootstraps, I think it's the old expression. No. That's different to being disciplined. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. There's a prize for you. It's your prize. There's a prize for us as a church together, as we run together. This isn't a race where you're all on your own. So let all who are fully mature have the same passion. And if anyone is not yet gripped by these desires, God will reveal it to you. If, you don't, if I'm reading this and you're thinking, oh, I don't want to run that race. Paul's got you covered. He said, well, if you don't feel that same passion, then let God reveal it to you and seek God to get it revealed to you because you want it. It makes everything else so much better. It takes away a lot of the drag 
that you get into if you're trying to do it all by works, because there are no works. There is discipline, but there's not work to make things happening. It's, there's a discipline to live in the fullness of the grace and what God has done. Do you know prayer makes a difference? Who believes prayer makes a difference? So what happens if you don't pray? There's no difference. So let, I'm going to read this bit again. So let all who are fully mature, and do you know what? You can all be fully mature at this moment, really. You just accept what Paul says. So let all who are fully mature have this same passion. And if anyone is not yet gripped by these desires, God will reveal it to them. It says in my notes here that the Aramaic, which is what Jesus spoke, can be translated as those who don't run, those who don't run this way, God will reveal it to them. Interesting, isn't it? Instead of same passion. God will reveal it to them. And let us all advance together. It's not about just individuals, which is good because if you fall over, somebody will pick you up and help you to run. Let us all advance together to reach this victory prize following one path with one passion. Amen? I've got another video for you. Not quite as funny as the first one. This is a bit more uh, reflective. Could we run that second video, please, Hannah? I am a runner. I'm a runner. I'm a runner. I am a runner. I am a runner. I am a disciple. I will run with him. I will run with him. I will run with him. I'll run with him. I will run with him. I will run with him. I will run with him. Will you? Will you? Will you? Who are you running for? And you might stumble. And you might fall. And you might make a mess. And you might cut your leg. And you might cry out, and you might be a wimp, and you might be a real nuisance. But one thing I know is that God the Father will never turn to you in the midst of all your mess and say to you, you're doing my head in. God will never, ever, ever say that to you. Because you never will. And I tell you what, parents, all of us as parents, by the grace of God, we'll never say it to our children either. Because why are we going to allow their struggles and their mess and even their disobedience to mess our head up? Don't get your peace from your kids. Don't get your peace from your neighbours. Don't get your peace from that bad driver over there. Get your peace from heaven. Don't let bad behaviour, sin, disruptive behaviour steal the peace that God has given you. Why, why would we let so many stupid drivers on the road <laughs> steal the peace that God's given us? And how many of us have? It's like stupid. Why, why do I let my kids steal this? It's like, God, here you are. And then my child, because I'm having a bad day, because I didn't sleep enough, does something. It's like, and I'm just like trashing everything that God's given me for this small child. God never says it to us. Let us follow in him. I know, I know we've said it. But let's put it beyond, behind us because we know who God is and we want to imitate Him. And we want, when our kids look at us, we're not perfect. None of us are perfect. I made a lot of mistakes with my boys. 
which they'll no doubt tell you about if they were sitting here right now. But I do pray that by grace, that through Kate and I, they saw God. And they did. And that's what you want for your kid. Yeah, you will fail. And maybe another day you will lose it and you'll catch yourself saying, you're doing my... No. And then you might let out a blasphemous word because <laughs> you caught yourself doing it. But, you know, it's like, no, I'm putting that behind me. I'm not going to look at that. I'm not going to awaken those selfish desires because I want my kids to see the Father, to see Jesus, to see the Holy Spirit and what he's doing in me. Because your kids are going to grow up in what you give them. The way, what you sow in them, the way you speak to them, is the, what they will reproduce, which is why God constantly is speaking positive things over us to enable us to reproduce all the amazing things that God is. This is so practical. It's like, I've, it's all of us stepping into things. It's why, it's again, it's why God hates gossip, because you are speaking negativity and wrong things and exaggerating things, because gossip always does that, for pure selfish enjoyment of that gossiping group, regardless of the suffering it could cause that person. That's how you identify gossip. It's against people. All right? There's nothing wrong with talking with one another out of concern and, and actually praying for one another. But it becomes gossip when it spreads. And, and, and if it gives you a little tingle of, of a tidbit, stop. Stop there and then. It's not God. It's not about nobody talking to one another. It's not about not talking about things. It's not about not telling someone you've got this struggling. That's not gossip. That's the enemy trying to self-isolate us all. But gossip destroys community. Honesty and sharing builds it. And you'll know you're not gossiping because you know, and you have, you, have to be, you have to be careful because the heart can really deceive us, but you'll know that you've got, when, if, you're, if you're talking about something like, what did happen? You're, you're concerned to see the best for that person, not just so that you can find out a bit of information that you can then tell somebody else. But we're adults. That's why we have to use wisdom and discernment, but that's why the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom and discernment. God accepts it. Isn't it amazing? No matter how much, he'll never say, you're doing my head in. He never gives up. He never runs out of patience. His love never fails. Always kind. He is truly wonderful. And the, the totally amazing thing is, Who are you running with? Who are you running after? This Jesus, he's actually changing us daily to be more like him. Isn't that incredible? Us. <laughs> we know the worst of ourselves, but he's changing us all the time. And one day, we'll all be in glory with him together. And do you know what? We won't look back. Because the future we have there together in heaven is going to be so amazing. So amazing. It's wonderful what we've got ahead together, family. Just close your eyes for a minute.
right now as we come to an end. Try and use your imagination under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That's why he gave you an imagination. So you can try and picture things of God. Some are better with pictures, some are better with words. That's okay, we're just different. But I want you to picture now that story of the prodigal son and the father is at home. And this is a perfect father. Some of us have had abusive fathers. Some of us have had terrible fathers. Some of us have had brilliant fathers. But this one's perfect. And he's standing, looking down the road, looking for you. Whether you're really on fire with him at the moment or not, he's always looking out for you. He's always looking out for your every response. And as soon as you look to him, whether, you're having, whether you've been doing it as just part of something regularly, you're really walking in it, or whether you've been cold and away from God, that moment you do a slight turn, because it has to come from you turning. That's what repentance is. There has to come that turning. The reaction from God just blows everything we've ever done away. And he runs. And right now, as you sit there, whatever situation you're in, just see that beautiful, wonderful, kind, compassionate, perfect, non-abusive father running down the road to you. And like in the worship when I was picking up Rue and when I was swinging him round, right now, God the Father is picking you up and swinging you round with a great grin on his face saying, it's good to have you home. It doesn't matter whether you were home two seconds ago or two years ago, he's always delighted to have you in the home. His home the people of God, his church. And he swings you around with a great smile on his face. And even as he sets you back down on your feet, gently but with love, even as he's kissed you, even as he's hugged you, he's wrapping you in this most exquisite, most beautiful, most precious robe. And you're thinking, what are you putting it over that me for? I'm all dirty and sweaty and smelly. And God's just, this gets rid of all of that. You can't take a shower. This is the shower. This is the cleanser. And that robe is wrapped around you, the robe of righteousness, the robe of Jesus Christ himself. And as that robe of righteousness is wrapped around you, you realize that by grace and in his mercy, you are right with God. It's nothing to do with you. And even as you sit there before, just think about this now. Even as you sit there with this robe on, totally accepted by God, totally loved by God, he's not looking at your past because he's looking to your future. As you sit there in this robe, think now. What do I do to continuously be putting on everything that God has given me? How do I run this race of Jesus? I'm no person just looking for myself. I want to be a disciple of the Master. I want to follow the way. And if it's that's you, just where you are right now, 
is open your hands before him and say thank you because there's nothing you can actually do but be thankful to God for what he's already done. You'll never please him more than you've already done. Open your hands. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And as you do that, the Holy Spirit sees that robe, sees Jesus wrapped around you, and the Holy Spirit is filling you now. Because even when we work by discipline, even when we think, right, last week I fasted for one day, last week I fasted for one meal, this week you think I'm going to fast three meals, this week I'm going to fast on two separate days, or I'm going to fast, whatever you're doing to run the race, to put on Christ this week, know that actually, even in discipline, it's the Holy Spirit that enables you. You won't be able to say at the end of the week, wow, I did three days fasting, aren't I amazing? Because if you do, you've missed it. It's thank you, Jesus, you enabled me to do that. That's incredible. Oh, wow, thank you, Lord. So just be thankful right where you are right now. God's grace, his favor will enable you and his mercy enables you to walk in freedom. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire.